once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart of evanlionheart.com in New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, and this week's special guest, Doc Murphy from the Twin Cities of Minnesota, bringing us the topic of hair and fingernail magic. Together, they will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Cat? Hi. How are you today, Evan? Everybody seems to be oh. having springtime. Are you having springtime, too? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have all of the uh, fixings of springtime, including the warm weather and my neighbors enjoying a uh, Sunday celebration. So if there's a little background noise, that might be why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're having a sunny day here. All is well. And um, I just, if if anyone's in the chat, they can read about it. But uh, people listening via the uh, computer or... uh, through their mobile or any other way that they're listening, I spilled tea all over my tarot cards. And um, so I have spent the last um, five minutes frantically mopping tea off of tarot cards. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I've done that ever, not to this extent. So that was sort of exciting. Um, that, that tells how my day is going. Actually, my go- day is going very, very well, and the cards <clears> seem to be just only a little, a little wobbly, and a couple of them sticking together, which might mean an oracle of some sort. But um, I've been spending the day um, relaxing from the big rush that I have every seven days to work on Patreon to get my texts and images and whatever out for my patrons. So uh, because I'm writing a book and co-writing two books uh, for release at the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival in September 11th and 12th of this year, 2021, I am really pushing myself hard on Patreon. Before, in the early days of the Patreon system, I was just, you know, oh, look, I found these lovely postcards, and oh, look at this, and Mystic Tea Room, and oh, look at your weight and fade, and oh, look at this little thing from from Dr. E.P. Reed, and it was all just kind of fun and games, but it has turned into a real um, (laughs) sprint for the finish line, and I will be very glad when these books are done, but I have hit the more than halfway point of all the pages for all three books for my contributions. But I want to give a big shout-out to Dr. Jeremy Weiss, who is co-writing The Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed with me and our late partner, Henri Gamache, a.k.a. Ann Fleitman. 
um, who is with us in spirit. And um, and Jeremy is working on the book and is also going to be presenting the workshop about the evil eye at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival this year. Uh, and so that's shout-out number one. Shout-out number two, uh, Gregory Lee White, a.k.a. Papa G., uh, who is co-writing and co-everythinging the How to Use Amulets, uh, Charms, and Talismans in the Hoodoo and Conjure Tradition. And this book is kind of morphing even as we work on it. Um, and it looks like mostly what Papa G will be doing is providing illustrations, and I'm mostly providing text. We're not sure yet how it's all going to come together, but he is working really hard on illos because we have, you know, hundreds of, of these little amulets. They all need illos, and he's mm. really sharpening his um, skills with Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and uh it's been a lot of fun watching him kind of go over the top with that one. <laughs> so, And he started that actually um, long before he and I met. I'm not saying that this is new. And when we did Stranger in the Cup, which was the book on tea leaf reading that he and I worked on together, he and Nagashiva provided the illos for that book, which is heavily illustrated. And this is going to be as heavily illustrated. And that brings me to... Shout out to Nagashiva Ironwood, my husband, who is working on illustrations for both of the aforementioned books and um, setting up uh, layouts and things so that these pictures can all kind of flow in. It's going to be it's a, it's more than the usual in the uh, illustration department. And then I also my last shout out to Gray Townsend who is our cover artist and also did a tremendous amount of Adobe Illustrator cleanup for the Henri Gamache illustrations from Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed, which turn out not to have actually been done by Henri Gamache, but were done by someone named Abby Dubois. So, but we'll all explain that in the book. So... Um, and Gray got all of that settled. So those are my shout-outs. I had a lot of help. I'm working real hard. You can join uh, me on Patreon for $2 a week. You get PDFs of upcoming books, or when I'm done with that, we'll return to the lavishly illustrated web pages that are just for patrons that remain patron only for one year and then are debuted to the public. Um, and the... Um, Two dollars per week. You can you can do one two dollar week. You can do two of them and just sort of sample what I'm doing. You can get all four weeks. There's four weeks per year the way I've worked it out, and you can get that for eight dollars. And then if you're a nutty collector like me, you can sign up for higher and higher tiers of prices. You can get a book inscribed uh, by me. You can get a, um, a package of paper ephemera. This could be old catalogs with hoodoo supplies in it. It could be herbal almanacs. It could be postcards. It could be really off-the-wall shit like fabulous sheet music from the last century and early last century. That All kinds of things, labels, any kind of flat paper stuff. And then if you really want to go the whole hog, you can get what we call the 3D dimensional box and that is the ephemeris box. And you're going to get in that um, chinaware, 
uh, tarot card decks, um, all kinds of, I mean, whatever I find around little statuettes, it might be anything, just as long as it fits into a priority mailbox. And no two are going to be alike. They're curated for the individual recipients. So that's what I've been up to. And um, today was my one day off, and now I've got to go back, <laughs> jump back into it <laughs> and um, and work on that. I'm also um, uh, working on the Air Tech Team stuff. Every week we come out with a new page at Readers and Root Workers, and I'm the tech team editor, and I have just passed a milestone I didn't know I had passed. I went to Google, and I did a search for the number of pages at Air, and we're up to 947 pages. So mm. I promised, I, yeah, that's a lot. I promised that I would get the Air site up to 1,001 pages, and I'm so I'm closing in on it as the editor. Now, I'm not the only writer. Miss Michael, other people write. But um, Jeremy has written for it. Nagashiva has written for it. And past members, um, Eddie Gutierrez, um, Bree Saucy, uh, have written for it. Contramanali has written for it as well. Mm-hmm. And so, But I'm the editor of the site, and I write a lot of the pages. So we're almost, like we're we're within about a year of getting to that because we do one a week, we're going to be at that 1,001 pages at air. So we hope by then we'll have answered everyone's questions about reading and root working. So that's my news. How are you, Ollie? Well, things are going quite well. I'm very excited to see the book projects come about. You've got quite a few in the in the pipeline that I'm looking forward to. The talisman one I'm very curious about. I'm very interested in talismans um, and seeing how that as it sort of develops. I'm looking forward to a bunch of the cool books that, that you're writing. I've been uh, busy on my end. Summer is definitely kicking off. It's starting to get warm. Um, and as is uh, usual, I'm trying to avoid the heat. Um, so air conditioning is going. Uh, on the East Coast, the cicadas are starting to sprout, which is interesting because uh, uh, people have uh, kind of made predictions about the cicadas coming about. It's not a particularly clever prediction. Cicadas are cyclical. They show up every so often. But Brood X is about to burst, which is something like one in every 17 years or one in 20 years or some, some crazy number like that. So that for those of you that are on the East Coast, just be aware that in the next few weeks you're going to be overrun by a plague of these things. Um, and fascinatingly, this is all kind of coinciding with some really strange astrological weather. You're gonna, we're going to have three planets in retrograde, Mercury, Jupiter, and Saturn. Saturn just went retrograde. Mercury is going this week in the middle of an eclipse season. There's a lunar eclipse at the end of this week and a solar eclipse at the beginning of June. So we've got some really funky and weird weather um, astrologically showing up. And this also coincides with, with sort of the international stuff that's going on. For those of you that have been following along the sort of predictions that we've had, both Kat and I have discussed, that this year was going to be a big year in terms of protests. I called it the year of the broken road. Well, this past week was the largest general strike in history since 1930. Um, in addition to the Palestinian strike that went on, the first Arab strike was back in 19. 19- 
33, if I'm not mistaken. You also had um, a, a large labor strike in the United States. McDonald's workers went on strike for uh, minimum increase in minimum wage, $15. So we're watching. We're seeing some really interesting things. People are going, why is that crazy socialist Ali talking about uh, labor and strikes? Well, I think this is super <laughs> important because it's going to have massive repercussions and ramifications for society. If you're buying candles how you buy those candles, the way you buy herbs, the way you interact with the materials, it's all going to be shaped in the next couple of years around these labor practices, around these issues of of uh, trade. Do we have access? I mean, Kat's talked about, for example, what happens when you start to have international tensions between China and the United States? What does that do to your accessibility of certain herbs? What does that do to certain magic of material they have? And that, in turn, impacts the type of spells. The material conditions that we live in affect the spiritual work that we do. We're going to see, for example, 30 years from now, there's going to be whole books written about COVID spells. Right, the type mm-hmm. of love magic that you do during COVID, the type of money work that you do during COVID times, you're going to see a whole transformation about the type of work that we do. We're going to see certain types of things increase. Is candle magic going to become really popular, or are we going to see a revival of something else? You know, so this, pay attention to what's going on to the sort of material conditions, these issues of labor that Kat and I have been predicting about. I mean, back when when Uranus was in Taurus, almost two years ago, Kat that this yep. could have a huge impact on agriculture. She said it. She also predicted mm-hmm. um, the 3D printing of food. They just put out beef in restaurants that is 3D printed. So mm. they've been experimenting for about a year. It officially went this past month. They've now started to put them out in European restaurants. So we're seeing this sort of, we, don't, we often don't pay attention to these changes, but these are going to have huge impact on society. It's going to have an impact on our magical communities and whatnot. So pay attention to what's going on. There's some very fascinating things happening in the world around us and in society, and that in turn will have an impact on our spiritual work. In more practical um, things, I should just mention real briefly, I do have one reading still open for June. Otherwise, I'm fully booked for, I think, almost the entire summer. So it's going to be a busy, busy time. And I suspect that's going to be true for most root workers. I think we're entering into, as we enter into, uh, you know, the post-COVID times, people are getting vaccinated, things are starting to open up. I think we're going to see an interesting blossoming of magical work, both by professionals and by people who are just starting out. So pay attention to what's going on. We're living in some transformative times. And I think we're going to see some fascinating revivals ahead of us, whether we're going to see a revival in candle magic or maybe we'll see a, you know, a revival in mojo, maybe the summer of mojo bags. Just pay attention, mm-hmm. note those trends, because it's going to be interesting. Well, you know, everything you said is so, you know, you are a historian and you are watching history yep. um, be brought along more. I just have to say that when I was young, you know, people would say, well, blah, 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 the Justinian plague, blah, 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 (laughs) right? And we never really will bring the Justinian plague into focus. But when this COVID pandemic happened, all of a sudden, all the photos of the 1918 flu pandemic came out with people wearing masks. and. We have brought that into our history now. We are kind of rolling up history that was in danger of being lost, and we're bringing that history along with us. 
And that mm-hmm. is one of the things that the uh, Hoodoo community should also be happy about. We're bringing along with us this history. Um, we can't trace it back, you know, 10,000 years. That would be guessing. But we sure can bring along what has been documented. And it's true of Hoodoo. It's true of uh, medical knowledge. I'm always amazed when I find these articles that somebody they're not letting it fade now. They're going, hey, so-and-so discovered that back in 1913, and here's the story on it. Or This was discovered in 1867. And mm-hmm. when you start bringing history with you, the collective knowledge of the human species grows because by forgetting history, we're always lopping off what we might call our collective neurons, if you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So when we bring it along, it it stays with us, and uh, it does. And we need we need historians like you. I'm trying to do my part, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, so, all righty. Well, today we have a, um, a a guest who has been with us before, and. Um, we have had many times, and has even been a, uh, I guess you could call a substitute co-host, and that is um, <laughs> Doc Murphy. So welcome to the show, Doc Murphy. Thank you. It's so good to be back. It's so good to talk with you all again. I'm glad to hear you're doing all welcome, right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Well, Doc Murphy uh, comes to us from the Upper Midwest, um, bringing a lot of. Um, knowledge, a lot of um, cultural byways, um, many of them from the world of neo-paganism. And Mm. so, and has studied hoodoo and kind of can interleave those two styles. So tell me what's new with you, Doc Murphy. What's up? Well, a lot's been new, actually. These last couple of weeks have been a bit of a whirl. Um, First off, summer has arrived finally early in Minnesota, and um, a lot of the restrictions have been lifted because the vaccinations have been so successful. We're we're at nearly 60% immunity here in Minnesota. So the the double whammy of having been pinned in because of the COVID year and being pinned in because it was winter, every Minnesotan has been unleashed into the street and is is outside Mm -hmm. on patios in parks doing everything. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's that time. So it's, it's very, it's just glorious. It's glorious. It's the, it's the kind of uh, day that makes you think that uh, winter was just a bad dream in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's a pagan storyteller here that says that Minnesotans have to granted the gift of forgetfulness from the gods, and that's why we continue to live here, even though the winters are so terrible because the summers are so <laughs> <laughs> um, in my own world, I started a summer job, actually. I was, that's been, trying to find kind of work has been a bit of a struggle for a while, but I, I managed to pick one up, and I'm actually administering uh, COVID tests at the airport um, this summer. Um, oh, very cool. Speaking of personal concerns. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty cool gig. I've actually written about uh, my first week on my blog. I actually started a blog. That's the other bit of news um, that I call Rose in the Retort, or an uh, alchemy reference. Um, and uh, the link is rootdocmurphy.com, and, and it's a blog where I just am writing about magic and life, and, and uh, it's taking all sorts of branches and forms, and I just kind of sit and write, you know, when something happens or when I'm thinking of something or I participate in something or when I just, just need to get something out of my system. There's, there's no real uh, rhyme or reason yet, but I'm just writing. So the, the, the main thing is that it's about magic 
and about anthropology and cultural life right now and kind of what's happening um, generally. So uh, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, that's kind of what my, Laurel, uh, more of my magical focus is right now as well. Um, and we're wrapping up a grant project. We we are applying for another grant project uh, where we are documenting the the uh, cultural history of the pagan community here in the Twin Cities in Paganistan. Mm. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. We so there's a lot of uh, fingers crossed in the air, but also uh, just a lot keeping us busy right now. Festival season will be starting in July, so I'll be busy with that as well. Okay. So we got, uh, thank you, uh, Miss Miranda Turo. She got your URL, rootdrmurphy.com, put up. And mm, uh, Thanks. Yeah, so make sure you add anything that you need to to the chat log so people can find you. If there's another page where the blog is that's not just on the main page there or however you're going to do it, get your URLs in and people can hunt you down and uh, check you out. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, and um, okay, now we have a topic for today, and that topic is um, uh, hair and fingernails, Um, keratin in hoodoo, I guess you could call it. And (laughs) so, um, as always, I I always introduce things and then let the guest who brought the topic talk about it, then we'll all chime in and we'll start giving spells. I just had something to say, though. I had a, a client call me at Hoodoo Psychics because I go on Hoodoo Psychics every Saturday. She called me. She asked for some spell work, and then she called back, and she goes, oh, the most important question of all I forgot to ask, those spells you give out on the radio show, are we allowed to use them? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, that's why we're giving them out. Um, we're trying to be the voice of the community. We're trying to, to share our knowledge. Uh, yes, you may use those spells. So at this point, I just had to say that, yes, you may use these spells, okay? Please. And um, <laughs> hair, hair and fingernails are um, part of the uh, personal concerns or bodily concerns realm of root work. They uh, certainly have taken a back seat during the pandemic because people aren't touching but they do have a long history, and they will return to their former glory, I'm sure, mm-hmm. as people begin to connect with one another personally. It's not all yeah. candle magic, folks. There is actual contact magic. So yeah. hair and fingernails um, have some meaning. I'm just going to quickly tell you fingernails go with the hands. Hands go with grasping or letting go, hugging, touching, holding on. Uh, Toenails go with the feet. Those go with walking toward, walking away, and also standing firm. And hair is characterized by the part of the body it comes from, right? Head hair, armpit hair, chest hair, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, leg hair, whatever you got, pubic hair, um, top of your uh, foot hair, whatever you got, it's going to have a meaning based on the part of the body. Having said that, I'm going to turn this over to Doc Murphy. Okay, well, this is this is a, an area of magic that I've always been very interested in because some people may know this and some people don't, but, but I used to be a licensed hairdresser. Um, I actually went to beauty school and I did hair uh, before and during my college years, so that was actually my job. Um, of course, back in those days, I didn't know anything about magic, and had I known what I know now about hair and magic, I, I, I really wonder what direction my life would have taken. <laughs> Um, but hair 
uh, kind of worldwide in any culture has kind of been accorded magical power and, and uh, in pretty much every culture, especially women's hair, um, mm. where it's often covered or, or considered dangerous if it's unleashed, depending on the culture. Um, hair is fascinating because it's simultaneously both really public and really intimate. I know in the, here in the West, and I know from this from my years in the business, we spend a lot of money and time and effort using our hair our head hair in particular, to attract the attention of people and express ourselves. But if anyone just walks up and touches your hair without your consent, boy, that is a profound violation of boundaries. Mm. That is an Mm -hmm. intimate act that you just don't engage in. But it's interesting because we we put it on display, but you you don't touch it, which is, again, kind of a really interesting uh, betwixt and between with regard to it. Um, And this example also kind of comes right out of purity and danger in anthropology, you know, um, about what hair means and kind of contains. You know, one minute you're kind of affectionately stroking your lover's hair, and the next minute you go to take a shower and you see your lover's hair in the bathtub dream, and suddenly you're like, oh, my God, gross. The substance didn't change. It's still the same substance. What has changed about it? Just really the context. And um, that's kind of used as an example of, of um, you know, sometimes the power linked with this, with, uh, with hair. And fingernails kind of fall in this category too. Is is sometimes it is about attachment to a person, and sometimes it's not in context and cultural difference. But I always pipe up and say, you know, that 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 is not a gross out situation to a voodoo practitioner. That's an opportunity. You know, oh, your lover's mm-hmm. hair in the drain. Great. Let me take care of that for you. <laughs> um, you know, uh, in other cultures, you know, Orthodox and Jewish and Muslim women cover their hair. You know, I remember a. a, a Jewish friend of mine in college explaining to me that, um, you know, her sister was getting married. She was Orthodox, and she was looking for wigs in particular to cover her hair. And, of course, I was ignorant, and I said, well, why is she covering her hair? And she said, that's a modesty issue. It's about, you know, your hair is meant for your husband and like a moron. I said, well, what's he going to do with it? You know, um, (laughs) in European, right, is he going to style it and do it for you? Um, And she explained, um, in European folk traditions, and a lot of uh, pagan witches in particular picked this up, it was believed that witches could, could uh, contain their power in their hair, that they could call up storms. Uh, they, mm-hmm. If it was a windy day and they, and they wanted to call up a storm, they would tear down their hair and unleash it, and they could call up storms by unleashing their hair. They could also mm-hmm. braid spells into it. Um, I, you know, I did this a lot when I was young, which I had hair down to my ass when I was uh, in grad school and did a lot of braiding spells. Uh, making basically your hair into protection amulets and all sorts of other things. Um, there are also many Native American women who, whilst as they're braiding their hair, they pray, and they put mm-hmm. that sacredness kind of into their hair as well. Um, in Hoodoo in particular, hair and fingernails are a powerful magical link to a target. Um, that's why there's so much in, uh, uh, in the culture of, uh, you know, keep your brushes clean, you know, um, mm-hmm. And also what to do, and what to do with hair, depending on the culture, or once you need to dispose of it, if you get in the cut or something. Like I'll give you an example of a, of a, of a, of a, of a cultural crisscross that happened when I was in the shop. Um, you know, when we were in the shop, you know, state health board required that if, you, if uh, after you cut off hair, you sweep it up, you bag it, and you throw the hair out with the trash. That was requirement by state law. We had one woman that would come in, and she would actually ask to keep her hair after we cut it. She put it in her garden to kind of keep pests away. But there were a lot of folks mm-hmm. that kept their hair who were Anglo, who were white, um, who happily let their hair out into the yard because they wanted to help the birds build their nests because this was a nice mm-hmm. thing to do to the birds. And it was this, mm-hmm. whereas in African-American culture, you don't want to do that. You don't want the birds mm-hmm. making nests out of your hair because that will give you um, head trouble. 
which I mm-hmm. think is really kind of an, an, an interesting cultural uh, uh, crisscross right there of what hair can do, what hair doesn't do, and what 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 power you are either according or giving up by letting your hair just kind of go loose. Um, mm-hmm. Beard hair in particular, too, I, I, I remember growing up, my father had a terrible habit of leaving his beard shavings in the sink, you know, after he shaved, and my mother would holler at him to clean it up. You know, I'm going to tell him, if you're smart, you're going to clean up after yourself, okay? If you're going to clean up, if, um, you have someone who is magically knowledgeable, um, that is in your life, like clean up your beard hair, clean up your, your hair brushes, um, clean up all of those things where you might have hair left behind because you may overlook it, but someone who knows the power of the magical link of hair and fingernails is, is going to have a great opportunity there to take what they need. Um, um, we also learned, and then I also learned another way that if you want to get hair from a target, um, get really skilled at scalp massaging. You know, we learned how to do it when I was in beauty school, but, oh, what a nice thing to do for your poor, tired mate. Oh, here, I'll rub your head for you. And you can just you can just gently work that hair right, <laughs> right out if you just need it. Um, so, again, I, like you said, there's a, a lot of kind of um, cultures all over the world that accord uh, magic cord hair and toward fingernails. Um, like I said, I got very interested in Lucky Mojo's pages early on when I saw that very often when the hairdresser would come to women's houses to do their hair at home, they would also bring the catalogs of magical supplies. So the woman who did your hair, the person who did your hair, was also the one that kept you in in magic. And there was so much that clicked for me um, with regard to my past job, my current interest in magic, my current research in, in, in magic um, that I always got really, really fascinated fascinated by. So lots of ways to get mm-hmm. here, but also lots of ways to use it and lots of ways to think about, um, you know, uh, its power, really. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to jump in here because um, uh, Grateful Diana in the chat asked, didn't I mention that among Jews it was also common not to let your hair fall outside so that birds would make it into nests? And I said, yes. And it's not just Jewish. It's also, uh, you'll find it among Sicilians who may or may not be crypto-Jewish, but they're Middle Eastern or North African origin. And there are two reasons given. And um, one is that if the birds get your hair, they'll run you crazy. You'll go crazy. And the other one is you'll have migraines. In my family, migraines was the usual one, although my, because my family has migraines, including I have migraines. But my grandmother, um, Angelina Manfredi, who was uh, born in Sicily, said, they tell you you'll go crazy, but you'll only get migraines. <laughs> which I thought was a big <laughs> compromise on her part. <laughs> There's also the idea of stealing your luck. Uh, if you mm-hmm. go to gambling yes. and um, and uh, someone touches your hair, they can steal your luck if you've been winning. There is a whole, um, I guess you could call it, um, race-based uh, conflict about hair texture that enters into this mm-hmm. too, um, in which... Uh, white people assume they have the privilege to touch the hair of black people yes. without oh, asking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this creates a lot of bad feeling, a lot of bad feeling. And um, But 
it, there's a, because of the belief that you could steal someone's luck or that you're appropriating their um, agency, their identity when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it to be said on behalf of the white people who do this, in their own culture, they don't feel that way. You'll, there is many, many, look at older pictures, um, chromolithographs from the 19th century, and one of the subjects that's used in domestic genre painting are, is two blonde girls, one braiding the other's hair. It's, a, it's considered a thing that sisters do, and so mm. the touching of someone else's hair is not quite as fraught uh, among white people. So it's not that they're just doing it just to, to, to attack black people. They also just don't, they're blind to the difference in, in culture. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Absolutely. they've been told often I, enough they should stop already. You know I mean? They've been told. Right. But they don't, right. you know, I don't mean, There's another, I want, I want to just touch on one more thing before we go. And that is the yeah. connection between hoodoo and barbering and hairdressing. Yeah. Um, yes. Many of the companies that make and made uh, spiritual supplies for the African American community were, or continue to be, companies that either make perfumes or they make hair care supplies. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the dressing of the hair, whether it's with a conditioner, whether it's shampoo, whether it's um, perfuming or oiling it. It can contain magical supplies, and this is one of the most important uh, uh, things that need to be understood, again, by white people who don't tend to oil their hair. And the reason they don't oil their hair is they have oily scalps, and they need to constantly wash their hair to take oil out, whereas the more textured one's hair is, going from you know curly to Jewish frizz to African um, curled or even kinky hair, those types of hair usually are dry and breakable, and so the oiling the hair is important. So the adding of spiritual supplies to hair care products is in proportion to the crispiness of the texture of the hair in the culture. So you'll find, um, for instance, um, uh, Sicilians often will oil their hair, but they'll use an oil and not a pomade, but they'll oil their hair, and they'll be... Uh, things like rosemary hair wash and things in the Mediterranean. But as you get down into Africa, it becomes a much firmer texture um, hair preparation, and many different herbal things can be added to it to add uh, power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should note here, too, is that this is one of the reasons why hair, fingernails, etc. are considered such powerful magic is they have that intimate connection with the, with the authentic self. Most of the traditions that, that tie this idea of, of personal concerns to hair and fingernails are generally societies in which those things are considered uh, separate from the public. So, for example, Dr. Murphy mentioned how in Orthodox, Jewish, and Islamic cultures, people cover their their heads, and not just women, but men as well, also cover their heads, very common. Uh, different, obviously, forms of headgear, but both genders, or all genders, I should say, rather than both, all genders cover their head or their hair. And this is deeply tied to societies that generally lived in harsh conditions, and so mm-hmm. there was a difference between what you wore outside and what you wore inside. And so there was a separation mm-hmm. between the public and the private. So it's less of, it gets reduced into the language of modesty, I think, nowadays. 
But if you look at the kind of traditional sources and logic of these societies, it has less to do with modesty and more to do with private versus public. The private mm-hmm. is where you're intimately, authentically yourself. You let your hair down. And when you're in public, whether you're a Jewish man or a Muslim woman, your hair is covered, your head is covered, right? Jesus mm-hmm. is wearing a head covering. Jesus wore head coverings. This is the reality of it. It's very common in the ancient Near East and in North Africa. You wore. And so the idea here is that hair, therefore, is that most intimate and private aspect of yourself. And if you can get access to that hair, you then have power over that person far different than if you have access to their clothing. You can still work them with clothing. Ah, I've got a piece of their hair garment. I've got a piece of their, I've got a piece of their clothing. But that's a public thing. You have access to that, right? It's great, powerful. But if you have access to their hair, now you've gone to an intimate level. In the same way that foot track magic is very important in Central African traditions. Why? It's considered the link to the soul. So there's a certain spiritual logic to why all these things matter. And so there are whole traditions in Udu about how to dominate, control a person. One of the kind of oldest ways of directly influencing a person to have complete control over them is to get a personal concern from all aspects of their body. Right. You want the hair from their head, you want fingers from their nails, you want fingers from their toes, and you want all of that. Why? Because you want to control the whole body. And if you have access to that, what does that mean? It means you're involved in the most intimate aspects of their lives. You've got their toenails, you've got their fingernails, you've got their hair, right? So there's a logic here. It's not just random. It's not just, oh, it's biology. There's more here. There's a spiritual symbolism. It's not just DNA. DNA is important. But which DNA matters? Ah, the hair, because that is that most intimate, private part of them. The toenails, the intimate, most private part. They're sexual fluids. All of this tells you something. This also tells root workers something. If you have a client that comes to you and says, I want this person back in your life. You know, All right, great, let's do this. What hair do you have? Well, I don't have their hair. What's that true? I don't have it. What about their t- No, don't have it. That tells you something. That means you're disconnected <laughs> from their private life. You're separated from that most intimate part of them. So this is why these things matter. It's a connection to the essence of that person's life, not just their body, but their entire life. Yeah, this is you. You hit on something here, and I want to uh, share a couple of spells. This is from women's work by Aura LaForest, and it's labeled Miss Cat's Wake Up Hand. I don't. I guess I taught it to Aura. Um, in the center of a square of red flannel cloth. Place the clippings from all ten of your fingernails, all ten of yep. your toenails, and a hair each from your head, eyebrows, eyelashes, armpits, and pubes. Add a piece of Queen Elizabeth root, three coffee beans, and a slice of dried ginger root. Pray for your desires. Pinch the cloth together to make a ball and wrap string around it at the neck to close it. Carry it on you and feed it weekly with a favorite perfume or crown of success oil. Now, that is for yourself. That's to wake yourself up and get your own energy going. Um, and it's one of those sort of rare mojos where you're actually working on yourself. And um, I want to give you another one. This is from uh, Reverend Hyatt's collection from 1600 root workers in the 1930s. In 1937, mm. a worker in Savannah, Georgia, told Reverend Hyatt, Oh, no, a customer to return frequently, he will get the man's fingernails or toenails and scorch them. 
and add money spices like cinnamon, allspice, cloves, nutmeg, and mace, and carry the mix in a little bag. But if a prostitute mm. wants a male customer to return frequently, she will instead put the scorched man's nail or the man's scorched nails and the spices into whiskey, add her discharge, by which he means her menstrual blood, strain it, mm-hmm. and give it to the man to drink. So scorching the nails is something that was done in Georgia in the 30s, okay? And um, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's one other one here I want to uh, uh, talk about, and that is one from my book, uh, Hoodoo Urban Root Magic. And this is an old one. To get a girlfriend to turn into a wife, get toenail clippings from all 10 of your woman's toes. Now, again, this is the, this is the ordeal where you have to get all 10, right? And you ask to cut her nails. In other words, you can't just be uh, vacuuming the floor. You have to ask to cut her nails, kneel down in front of her. You see what I'm saying? Cut all ten of her mm-hmm. nails. Then you put them in a packet with hair from her right armpit. That has some strength in it. Uh, and three black-eyed peas. Carry the packet in your pocket. Within two weeks, she will accept your marriage proposal. Mm. There you go. That's that. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about, that index, where the toenails, the armpit hair. This is the type of power talking about. And also we should note that there are, mm-hmm. you know, certain ways of working with your own personal concerns, right, not just other people's personal concerns, in order to influence and control because now you're activating that part of your body. So, for example, putting a piece of your pubic hair in the brim of a hat, right? So you can mm-hmm. sew in a piece of the uh, pubic hair or plus sewing it into the seam of pants, right, so that they're thinking about you or they're hot for you. You work on their mind, you work on their sex, right? Putting a, mm-hmm. for a person a doll baby, so taking a doll baby of a person and keeping it under your right armpit so that it is touching mm-hmm. your hair there and the sweat there or putting it into your underwear, right, so that it is mm-hmm. on your pubic bone. So there's a way of working with both sexual fluids there and sweat but also hair, Right, so there's a way of working there that uh, you're not just working with their personal concerns; you're working with your personal concerns in order to uh, affect them. Uh, there's a really old-timey domination work uh, that men used to use. Uh, this is a from Virginian conjure. Uh, you can find them, but also in North Carolina and conjure as well. And what you're supposed to do is you take all of your toenails, you take all ten of your toenails, and you uh, wash water with it and then use the water and have that person that you want to dominate drink it. So this is similar to, related to drinking somebody's bath water. But now you're drinking someone's toenail water. It sounds gross, mm-hmm. but it's used to dominate a person. It's used to bring them under your heel. That's why you did it. There's variations of it that you're supposed to use foot scrapings and whatnot, but toenails is the one that I was taught. Yeah. Um, Grateful Diana asked, how in the world would a prostitute get the toenails? Well, I can tell you that one of the easiest ways to get um, toenails from somebody says, your nails are scratching me. Here, let me clean you up a little bit. Most men who go to prostitutes won't mind a little bit of extra service, a little massage, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, get the fingernails. You can easily get the fingernails of a man by saying, oh, I'd, I'd love you to pet my pussy, but your nails are a little long. Here, I have a pair of clippers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if you, actually, if you just submit to being clipped, you can pet my pussy. Right? I had a I had a <laughs> client. Speaking to that, I actually had a client uh, who worked in a salon, uh, 
and she wanted to improve uh, her sales. And something that she actually, I gave her a bunch of root work that she can, she can do, but something that her mother taught her, and I think this comes out of Vietnamese magic, is that when you were uh, cutting the toenails, to keep those toenails of the client, and what that will do is it will ensure that they keep coming back to you. You're their special salon person. You're their special uh, you know, massage therapist. You're their special pedicurist or whatnot. So the cutting of the toenails is not uncommon for working girls, for people who work in salons, massage therapists, escorts, prostitutes, etc. It's actually quite common, pretty common um, and also tied with a variety of different hoodoo products as well. If you get a person's uh, toenails, uh, placing them in a jar with essence of bend over, it's a very powerful way of controlling that person and making sure that they remain dedicated to you uh, as a client. I do want to say one, one really important thing is that we're we started this episode out by talking about the weird experiences of COVID and the impact that it will have on our sort of material conditions. I think one of the impacts that we've seen in the past year is the reluctance to use personal concerns, right, because of social distancing, not being able to visit people. But what I think we're going to see going forward is an increase in contact magic and an increase in, uh, you know, working with personal concerns of this way. Once we get over the hesitancy, there's going to be a period of, of sort of hesitancy and nervousness, but there's going to be a moment when we break through that. We're going to be itching for contact, we're going to be yearning for touch. Mm-hmm. We're going to be yearning for intimacy. There's going to be a moment where we're going to see a real boom in, in dating and hookups and, and marriages and babies and all sorts of things happening. And I think it's in that moment that we're going to see an intensification of the very magic we're talking about on this episode here. We're going to see more people talking about how can I touch this person? What type of oil should I use? What type of massage? How can I get... Per- We're going to see an increase in contact magic, an increase in yes. personal concern magic, hair, nails. There's going to be a desire for a type of physical intimacy here that's going to be reflected in our magic. So what we're talking about is, in my opinion, the prelude to what will be the next couple years of intensification <laughs> around personal concern magic. Well, I can certainly pipe in from my years in the business with regard to hair and touch and these sorts of concerns being kind of uh, collected and manipulated that, um, boy, um, men would get very confused frequently sitting in my chair and other uh, uh, hairdressers' chairs. How often when we were doing their hair and touching them, um, they would ask us if we were married, they would ask us out on dates, mm-hmm. they, would, they would kind of... Uh, you know, there's sort of this confusion. For a lot of men, the only other woman in their life who touches them may be their wife or their mate, maybe their ma. Um, so mm-hmm. when uh, someone is servicing them and actually um, combing and grooming and cutting their hair, there's a little bit of uh, kind of intimate wobbling of boundaries that starts to happen. So um, we were always told to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to shake it off that if men started asking you if you were married, you just said yes, even if you weren't because, you know, getting involved with your client beyond a service was not a smart idea. But I think it has a lot to do with uh, handling uh, their concerns as well. Um, I kind of wanted to to, uh, pipe up a little bit about kind of racialization of doing hair, too. I know back in in the days when I was doing hair, and I think this is probably still the case, unfortunately, that there still is a separation between black salons and white salons and stylists who can do black hair really well and and those who can't or don't. And it has to, that does go back a little bit to the notion of touching hair 
um, mm-hmm. uh, in, this, in this fascination white people seem to have with, can I touch your hair? First off, don't, don't just walk up to somebody and ask if you can touch their hair unless you're a professional. That's just rude. You should know better. But also there is sort of this leftover sense that there's something about black hair that is uh, – we're seeing it with the lawsuits today. Um, uh, where where, uh, children are being told that their hair is inappropriate or or workplaces are being told that African-American hairstyles are somehow unclean or inappropriate. And and, uh, there are more and more places passing laws now saying you cannot discriminate on the basis of how your hair is done. Um, There's there's still this uh, this sort of racialization, uh, um, racism, uh, with regard to who can do whose hair and who is capable of it and who's going to touch it and who isn't. And it makes a lot of sense in, in retrospect why frequently. We, I mean, I worked at a salon where we had both black and white stylists and black and white um, uh, customers, but it also made some sense why very, very often African-American clients will say, I'm sticking with an African-American salon. These white girls don't know what they're doing, and in a lot of ways we wanted to know what we were doing, but we didn't frequently have the opportunity. And, you know, looking back on that, um, apprentices in those in those uh, respective salons to not only understand the technique of handling hair, but the culture around hair and these traditions around hair and the magic around hair and, and the, the folklore around hair might have actually been something that would help out too. I just wanted to pipe in from somebody that... Um, from the point of view of somebody that actually was in that chair when um, guys got confused <laughs> when you were handling their yeah. hair. So. You know, they, and I did mention that many of these spiritual supply companies made hair care products. Um, yeah. When I was young, um, people who were in the hair care business didn't always work in a salon. Most of the older black women would go to your house and do your hair, and they would also take orders for products. In other words, do you want me to get you a mojo? Do you want me to mm-hmm. get you some uh, hair pomade? Do you want, you know, I, I, I use this. Would you like to try that? And these were um, hoodoo supplies that were being um, uh, distributed through agents who were actually um, also hairdressers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, a, there's, there's a, evidence right a, there of the magic of hair. That's long gone. I mean, I don't <laughs> see that as much anymore. Maybe in in the very uh, rural South, but I think that nowadays um, the the older lady who comes to your house to do your hair is somewhat of a thing of the past. I think she'd now be working in a salon rather than doing that. I just put a couple yeah. of spells through those ones that I read from women's work, and. Um, and so they're now in the chat log. And I also wanted to thank um, Jeremy for pointing out um, a scene in The Sopranos, a TV show, which, as we know, is a great anthropological resource. Um, <laughs> and um, it, it says, uh, early in the series, Tony goes to Italy, where he meets a mysterious, beautiful Italian woman. As he watches her, she is receiving a manicure and pedicure, and at the end she demands that the servant collect all of the nail clippings and give them back to her. Later in the show, Tony asks her why she did that, and she responds that people can use your nail clippings to have power over you. And that, again, goes to the idea that North African uh, and Mediterranean uh, and Central African uh, and South African uh, traditions kind of merge and blend, and Middle Eastern traditions also merge and blend. I doubt you would find that kind of a scene in in a TV show that was set in Sweden, however. (laughs) <laughs> it just wouldn't be a thing, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, 
That's, that brings up something else, which is intentional um, manicure and fancy nails. The doing of mm-hmm. fancy nails, the painting of the nails, the um, lacquering of them, the designs, uh, are a way of using your nails, protecting your nails, but also using your nails as a magical tool. For instance, um, one of our good friends in air, Ms. Robin, often has her nails painted with dollar bills. And mm-hmm. it's her thing. You know, she's she's showing what she likes and what she does. And, of course, you can just use a plain color. But there are many people who will put little symbols on their nails. Pay attention to those symbols because even though that's an artificial nail that they have glued onto their nail, they're telling you something about themselves. And that brings up the next topic, which is artificial nails, artificial hair. I'm often asked, can you use a woman's wig hair or her plastic you know, nails to be uh, a symbol of her? And the answer is not really. Her mm-hmm. wig is, is similar to her clothing. It's not her. Yep. It's yep. something Probably. that has been in contact with her, same with the, with the uh, nail, that it may be discarded or fall. But, um, but really, we're not talking about um, symbolic hair and nails. We're talking about actual hair and yeah. nails. And that yeah. goes to another thing, which is that people get this all confused with DNA. And they say, mm-hmm. is it okay if I cut the person's hair because only the root of the hair has the DNA? Yes, it's okay to cut the hair. It's their hair. It's not about <laughs> DNA. <laughs> it's about their them, right? Now, yeah. there are other things that are used, like foot skin, rubbings, and all kinds of, you know, there's many, many things that are used. But if you can get someone's hair, then you have gotten close to them. And that's what Contraband was talking about. The client who says, oh, I can't get their hair, is a client who is not really ready to do sex magic on them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yeah. And uh, yep. yeah. another one that I wanted to bring up was eyelash hair. In mm-hmm. my family, it was believed that if an eyelash fell, if you rubbed your eye and an eyelash was ended up stuck to your fingers, you had to either roll your thumb and finger to let it dry, to dry it, and then blow it off. If it was sticky, it would just sit there. You, you, you wouldn't get the wish. But if you rolled it nicely, and you, or if you found an eyelash in the bedding, you could pick it up and then hold it and make a wish and blow your eyelash. I don't know um, what, where in my family that came from because I've been doing it so long. I don't know whether it's from my mother's family or my father's family. Has mm. anyone else ever heard of that one? I grew up with a version of it where um, if an eyelash fell out and you didn't notice it and like it landed on your cheek, your friend would come over and go, wait, you got an eyelash, close your eyes, and then they'd say, make a wish, and then they'd brush it off for you. Um, oh, so that's up, interesting. Yeah, I grew up with, with that. Um, so there's a version so of where was taught, eyelashes and what wishes. I was, what I was taught was that there were only specific wishes that you could make also with your eyelash. You could wish for wealth or health, basically. Hmm. That was it. I mean, it and was we no like, we wanted. no like, I wish that I get that job in Turkmenistan. That's not happening. That's not the kind of wish you can make on an eyelash. <laughs> it is. It's interesting. <laughs> this is. This does tie into, and we find this in Hoodoo quite a bit. The different 
parts of these personal concerns, hair, nail, have different associations and connections with them. So if you're doing influence magic, whether it's for love or whatnot, hair is a sort of general thing that you can work with. But if you're doing domination work, you're generally going to be working with fingernails. Domination, favor, money, all tied to some type of fingernail. What is fingernails mm-hmm. versus toenails. Armpit hair is another one that's often associated with domination. So the which type of hair, which type of fingernail, there are differences there, subtle differences there. And you would find in the same case, you know, eyelash can only be health or wealth. So, too, you'll find, for example, if you're doing working with someone's armpit hair, you may not be necessarily working with the sweet love magic. You might be working with a little bit more dominating love magic, a little bit more coercive or a little bit more uh, upper hand love magic, we can call it, for armpit hair. If you're working with someone's pubic hair, it's obviously more sexual than, say, someone's uh, head hair, right? So there are differences there, and the symbolism matters because this is part of that tradition of voodoo, the idea that the, the body itself is, uh, has different associations, the hand at the feet. The feet are tied to what? The soul. Quite literally, the soul of a person can be accessed through their feet. And so toenails have a different type of intimacy than fingernails. And fingernails mm-hmm. have a different type of intimacy than hair. Knowing these differences and using the different parts in the different type of magics that you will work so uh, the the chat room has spoken, um, and we have a lot of answers here um, about the eyelashes. And um, Jamey said, "Blow it for good luck." And um, Robin Ryan Radio said, "I was brought up with the belief that eyelashes have magic in them for wishes." Jeremy Weiss said, "Oh yes, I've heard that." Grateful Diana said, "Yes, all my life, blow it away for a wish." So there we go. The, the chat it tells us that um, blowing an eyelash for wishes is something that is quite common. There you go. Collective, <laughs> collective vote. Also, Grateful Diana said that, um, she said, glad you brought up the DNA. This is all over the Internet. Newbies use the word DNA in place of personal concerns, not the same yeah, thing. Yeah, tell me about mm-hmm. it. And. And uh, the the worst one, although this goes a little off topic, is when they say, I have the cigarette he smoked and his spit is on it, and I saw on TV you can get their DNA from their cigarette butt. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. Ew. <laughs> oh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> ew. Yeah, it's not the DNA. Um, all right, there's our music. So we have... Uh, we have done a lot about hair and fingernails. Thanks for sharing, uh, Doc Murphy. You're always a wonderful historian <laughs> as well as Conjurman, the other historian. And I'm just an amateurist folklorist, I guess. All right, we're going to have Evan come on and we're going to be taking a client reading. Absolutely. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, Conjurman, and this week's special guest, Doc Murphy, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. 
Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our clients. And our client is calling from Indiana, area code 260, and goes by the name of Kai. Kai, are you there? Yes, yes. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kai. And as per your entry into the forum, it doesn't appear that you've ever had a reading with either Ms. Kat, Conjurman, or our guest today. Is that correct? Correct. Excellent. Uh, Thank you. I'm just going to read your brief synopsis. And Kai writes, my ex has always been a problem, attempting to manipulate and control my house through our son. She's bungled his schooling enough last year that she's talking about trying to send him here full-time for, the, for a different school. It looks like time to do some work to get her backed off and, and him with us. But the reading I did on the work I chose was pretty bad. This is a three-part question. Is she sincere in wanting to send him? Is that the best for him? And what work do, I, do you all suggest to bring about the best thing for him? Turning it over to you, Ms. Katz. All right. Well, Kai, I've got a couple of questions. What sign of the zodiac are you? I am a Libra with a Capricorn rising, and she is a Capricorn, or sorry, with a Capricorn moon, and she is a Capricorn with a Libra moon. Whoa. Interesting. So you guys were really tied by mutual reception then. That's interesting. And what about the child? Um, he is also a Libra. I don't have his moon sign in front of me. Okay. Wow. All right. So we're dealing with, um, hmm, that's interesting. Capricorn Libra, Capricorn Libra. All right. Well, I'm telling you what. Um, remember I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I spilled tea on my tarot cards? They're not mm-hmm. really dry yet. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to ask for a contraband to do the first reading. And uh, my cards will be dry by next week, I'm sure. All right. Yeah, I'm 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 happy to do so. Uh, actually, as I should mention, there is a a whole tarot deck that has like a tea-stained look to it. It's actually quite antique and interesting looking. So maybe you could go for that look, Kat. Um I'm happy to do your your reading here, Kyle. Let me just confirm a couple things uh, before I, I pull some cards. You said that she's a Capricorn. Is that right? Correct. Okay, so I mentioned this in the chat. You probably didn't see this, but Capricorns are notoriously, notoriously hard to work on. They're very difficult to do root work on. There are certain signs that are just not easy to root work. Taurus is another one. They're not easy to root work. Scorpios are another uh, Capricorns. They're you're very difficult to influence and push. It could be a result of stubbornness. It could be a result of the earth component. Uh, in case of some cases, it's because they're a fixed sign. It's a variety of different reasons, but it does mean that they're very hard to influence. Just bear that in mind, that, that Capricorn, um, her being a Capricorn, it's going to play a factor here. You pull some cards, and that indicates that, you know, or you did some readings that may, things may not work out exactly 
part of it could be just this person. I have pulled cards here, and they're not entirely favorable. The very first card is the Four of Pentacles, and the Four of Pentacles shows us a merchant that is doling out coins to poor people uh, with a scale in one hand and coin in the other. This is about imbalances in power, those that have most of the power and those that have very little power, those that are able to influence, mm-hmm. those that are influenced. Those that try to change things, but they're sort of in a defensive position, unable to really kind of work. So this speaks to where you're at right now. You might be trying to do root work. You might be trying to change this. But a lot of what you're doing may be from a position of reactive. It's not exactly on the strongest footing. It seems like there is a power imbalance. that You mentioned she tries to manipulate. She tries to control, and she uses your child to do so. That is a strong, if messed up, position to be in, right? The ability to influence a parent through their child is totally screwed up, but it is also immensely powerful, right? It gives her the edge. It makes her the person with all the cards. And this is what that Six of Pentacles is referring to. The Six of Pentacles is a card. So, uh, Six of Pentacles, not Four of Pentacles. The so Six of Pentacles mm. is showing mm. this coin, this merchant that is handing out these coins, scales in one hand and coined in the other. This is a person who is in, in, in charge. She's got all the coins in her hand. She's got all the cards in her favor. So you need to bear that in mind. Any sort of change will require you shoring up your position, you changing where you're at. The next is the Queen of Swords, and this is where things are. The Queen of Swords is a powerful monarch sitting on a throne, sword in one hand, and in the other she's raised, beckoning. We often refer to this as the abandoned woman or the woman whose husband has left on a journey, the sort of narrative of the tarot. This is an indication that she does seem somewhat sincere about sending her child. This is the Queen of Swords. She's waving away. She's saying, okay, here's my kid. So there is an indication that she is sincere about it, but that it's going to come with harshness. This is the Queen of Swords. The swords are all harsh. They all cut both ways, indicating that while, yes, she might in some way be sincere about sending the child to you, very worried about the issue of education. These swords uh, are uh, connected with air and learning, so the education thing is a big factor. That's what's really motivating her decision. She wants to send uh, the kid over, but that it will come at a cost, that there will need to be some sacrifice, there will be need to be some negotiation, that there may be some hedging there. The sincerity is there, but the action, the actual sending away, will be far more difficult than uh, you hoped for. The final card that we get is the High Priestess. And the High Priestess is uh, a woman of great learning, a woman who can counteract the influences of the Queen of Swords. And this is what the path forward is. You will need to work with a female root worker. You will need to work with a root worker who is a mother herself, a priestess in her own right. This high priestess is sitting before uh, two pillars. She's got a curtain or veil of pomegranates behind her. She's got the scroll in her hand, the crescent at her feet, and a headdress upon her. This is a woman of extreme uh, power, a person of extreme learning, 
but who has tempered as a result of that, who has grown wise as a result of that, who has grown in power as a result of her learning. So a root worker who works in multiple traditions, a root worker who is versed in matters of custody, a root worker who is a mother herself, who is the opposite, if you will, in many ways to this Capricorn that you're working with, uh, or will be the balance this powerful Capricorn that you're dealing with, will be able to bring in the influence of the high priestess in order to deal with that queen of swords. So go and find a female root worker. You have uh, wonderful root workers that are going to be speaking to you right now, both of whom are high priestesses in their own right. Uh, So listen very carefully to what they have to say, the wisdom that they will provide for you, and in particular the consultation that the high priestess Cat Ironwood is going to be giving you in just a few moments because this this is going to be the key to dealing with the Queen of Swords. It's going to be this ability to bring spiritual power to bear on your own. It will not be enough. So you need to take on a magical coach. You need to take on a high priestess. You need to take on a root worker. So after this call is done, do the root worker that's been advised, but then find yourself a, a root worker that will work with you going forward. And that's what I see. Turning this over to um, uh, uh, our wonderful Doc Murphy, who's going to give you your next reading. Hi, thank you. Okay, thank you. Hi, Kai, how are you? I'm not too bad. Good. Um, my reading, I, I do a little four-card spread here, of past, present, um, obstacle, or, or a complication of the present and the future. I focus specifically on the question, um, is she sincere, and is this what's going to be best for him? Um, the card that came up in the past is the Nine of Pentacles. This is the... Uh, the card that I know Miss Cat calls the Duchess. This is the woman of independent means. She is she's wealthy. She's standing in her garden. She's got a, 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 a blinded falcon kind of sitting on her on her hand. This is in the past. She's kind of had it all under control. Um, she's kind of been successful in, in um, uh, keeping things uh, grounded and possible. The card that shows up in the present, however, is the Eight of Swords, and it came up reversed. And this is the card of essentially, yeah, I don't got it together anymore. Um, this, is, this is a woman who is bound and surrounded by swords standing in the river. Um, when it comes up reversed in a reading, it's, this is not someone kind of helpless in a situation. This is somebody who's realized um, I'm in a bad situation and I need to get out of it. So there is some realization that has hit um, your ex with regard to her ability to uh, make sure she can keep the, 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 uh, your child in school. And she is actually like quite serious about it and is a little humbled by it. The complication that I see that's uh, complicating the present is the Six of Cups. And this is a card of two children. Um, one of them is handing a cup full of flowers to the other. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's about your child and it's about um, what's going to make them happy. Um, and I think this is a bit, a bit of a, a humbling experience for her in the sense that she knows what she has to do to make her children happy and feel safe, they feel wonderful, um, and to make sure that they get everything that they need. There's a house behind them, there's a full garden, they have everything that they need. And I think she's realizing that it does mean that she's going to have to uh, face reality and kind of give something up. The card that I have uh, seeing in the future here is the sun reversed. Um, and again, it's not a terrible thing when it comes up reversed. Reversals usually speak to delays or blockages. It is a child on a horse <coughs> riding in the sun. Um, this is a card that basically means that, yeah, it's, he's, it's going to be the right thing for him. He's going to be happy. This will be a very – but there may be a little bit of 
um, sad feelings or maybe a little bit of a difficulty with regard to transitioning um, that you'll be able to weather very well. I mean, as long as your child knows on, on, on either side he's loved and he's supported, things will be fine. So there may be some adjustment issues, but ultimately I am seeing a reading here that I think she does mean it. She is thinking about what's best for your child, and I think having, having the work done to make sure that your child is with you to go to school where you are is ultimately going to be the right thing. It's just going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of emotional work. So that's, that's what I have in front of me. So I hope that helps. All right. Okay. Yes, thank you. All right. You bet. So I'm going to um, recommend some root work advice. Now, had you come to us earlier, I would have told you, around the time of the breakup of the family, I would have told you to do something with hair. And I think it's interesting because that was our topic for the day. I would have had you get the hair of yourself, the hair of your soon-to-be ex or ex, and the hair of the child, and I would have had you put them together in one charm or amulet. If the hair was straight and long enough, you could braid it together. If it was short hair, even little bits, little bits, you could embed them in wax and make a little ball and then wrap a string around and around and make a jackball. Some sort of charm or amulet with that hair, with the prayer, let us always be a family, let us always stay a family. But it's too late for that now, but I just had to mention it because we were talking about hair. So I'm going to have you try to make some sort of retro prospective version of that one would be using photos uh, a link but it's not a very strong link but it is a link nonetheless and to try to make a, a little packet amulet that's going to have everyone in it together and that packet amulet will be not just for education but for, to keep the three of you because you said that the X is manipulative to keep the three of you on the same track so something of each of you and it, it can be a photo of each of you it could be hair it could be um, you know toenail fingernail baby tooth whatever you got um, a coin from the birth year I like to make things match so if it was coin from the birth year I would get three of those coins but whatever it is you're going to do, you're going to pray over those. And those three items you're going to put around a candle in a triangle and pray over that, that, um, that everything will come together, that, that you will always be a family first and the education of the child will be your next step. But you first have to establish you're all a family. One way to do something like this is to make a triangle cut of paper. And on that triangle along the edges, you would write the names and birth dates of the people. And in the center, you would write some sort of a prayer, you know, let us uh, always be in harmony. And then you'd set the candlestick on that triangle. Then you would light the candle, which I would use um, peaceful home, possibly oil, maybe mixed with um, tranquility, something to keep the manipulation down and the happiness up. Blessing is a good one. There are a number of oils that are good. And then um, burn that candle. You just use a small candle. That would be a, like a four-inch altar candle, altar light, or chime candle. And then um, when that is done, you have those um, three coins, let's say, or the three hairs or whatever, at, at the three corners. You're going to put those in the triangle, and then you're going to fold the um, triangle bits over if you know what I mean. You can make another just a smaller triangle. Just keep folding, right? Fold it up. And mm -hmm. then um that is a little packet. That packet you can um 
put into a piece of cloth if you want to. It depends on what you're using as your personal concerns. Or you can um, just simply put it someplace where it is available but hidden. And um, it just depends, again, on, on how you connect. Uh, do you, If you live near each other, um, you can keep it in your house. If you live distantly and only communicate, for instance, through... Um, cell phone many cell phones you can buy cases for your cell phone that you can put your business cards or your credit cards in just stick the packet in there there's many ways you can hide such a packet where you will have it handy that is part one that's to get the cooperation and the unity that you seek part two is Uh, to get the education for the child yes um if i may quick question on part one Uh, I'm currently living with another partner, and we also have a child together. Do I put all five of us together or just the three of us? Ah, I would make a separate triangle and then fold them all together. In other words, one triangle for the for the new partner, the new child, and one partner for the old you know, one for the old partner and the old child. Then you put them together like a six pointed star. You see what I'm saying? You diagonal. Yeah, I like you know, that. Rotate them. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you're going to fold them all up together. Yes, you would fold them all up together. Very good question, and thanks for asking. All right, now as far as education goes, the um, herbs that are used for mentality and education tend to be bay leaf is very good for the mind, deer's tongue for eloquence of speech. Also, um, there are um, power herbs that are used, you know, just to get what you want. But I would just start with... um, Uh, maybe a, a third one might be um, rosemary, which is to have women rule, but you want the rosemary to be associated with your new partner, so she's going to step in and be the good mother here. Or you could um, use um, anything that would be like crown of success oil or powder. Um, you could burn crown of success incense. And you're going to ask for this child to do better educationally. Um, and... When you have the child with you, you're going to fix the child's hair with a little bit of Crown of Success oil. You're going to use Crown of Success bath crystals and King Solomon wisdom uh, bath crystals or oil. King Solomon is a good one to apply to, and Solomon seal root would be a good third herb because King Solomon was the one who supposedly divided the baby, if you know what I'm talking about, and made sure that the Mm -hmm. baby went to the right mother. So that would be a good one to use. And I wouldn't do anything to harm your ex. I don't think that's a good idea. But um, you want to make sure that the balance has changed, the balance has shifted, and now it's going to be that you are going to be um, the one who is in charge. Does anyone else have anything to add? No, mm, I think it's lovely just the way it is. The, the addition of six-pointed star for the extra family, I think, is brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's great. The only thing I was just going to say is uh, to consider hiring uh, a magical coach. Oh yeah, that's true. There was the female, the high priestess. Yes, you yeah. may want a magical coach to kind of keep this thing rolling while you, you know, while you're doing it. Uh, That's a very good idea. All right. There's our music, and good luck to you, Kai. And um, all right. We're going to go to our next bizarre moment 
When the network schedule announcement comes from the land of genies... The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time to go to our free spell segment with Doc Murphy. Uh, take it away from the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Sorry about that. Take it away, Doc Murphy. <laughs> That's quite all right, Evan. Thank you. Uh, this is a spell that is for working hairstylists and barbers to keep clientele, uh, or as I like to call it, a spell I wish I had when I was in my 20s. Um, anyone who's in the business knows that after you've had a day at the shop, you are filled with clients' hair in your clothes, in your shoes. Sometimes you're picking hair slivers out of your feet or out of cuts that are very painful. I have pulled clientele hair out of my bra in the past. It just gets everywhere. So this was a way to kind of use all of that personal concern to your advantage financially and for your career. So you will need, here's a list of ingredients, a large jar full of honey or whatever sweetener you like, a prayer paper made of your business card if you have one, a regular one made out of uh, standard grocery bag paper will do also, a strand of your own hair, some five-finger grass, alfalfa, cloves, so for success in things that you do with your hands uh, to protect your money and clothes for friendship, a little bit of pyrite grit for prosperity, you'll need a green candle, some steady work oil, and some return-to-me oil. So part one of this is to write a prayer for successful work, or you can write the 23rd Psalm, or the success sigil, on your prayer paper. Place in the paper the herbs we listed, the strand of your hair, and the little thingy of pyrite, and wrap it into a packet. Place it in your honey jar. Dress the candle with the oils, affix it to the top of the jar, and burn it, praying for success. Part two, after a day at the shop when you come home, don't jump into the shower right away. Wait and brush off all that client hair that gets stuck all over you after work. You know it's everywhere if you're in the business, in your clothes, in your bra, your shoes, your stockings, all over the place. Just shake it all out. Collect it with a small broom or with some scotch tape if you've got that around too. Place those bits of client hair that you collect into a small prayer paper with the success sigil written on it. Wrap it up, place it in the honey jar, and dress and light another candle and pray. Do the second part every week that you're working at the shop and after a full day of working in the shop to make sure that your clients keep returning to you and are sweet to you, because you don't want crabby clients, (laughs) sweet to you and are appreciative of your continued work. And there is a little working spell for hairdressers and barbers. Wow. That's Mm. really nice. Now, you know, we were talking about the squick factor with the drain in the hair. I do that one in sugar. I would do that in sugar, not honey, because honey and hair to me goes, but honey and sugar, okay, no problem. So 
Isn't it interesting how different people have different um, feelings about it? But as you said, yeah. the, the sweetener of your choice. So I love the spell, and I I love the spell, and I would do it with sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm less of a squick factor than most people with hair because, like I said, I did have to pick hair out of drains for a living for six years, so it doesn't really bother me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there is that. Yeah. I also. While we still have a couple of minutes, there's also the question of pet hair, which we did not touch on. And oh, yeah. um, if you have a, a pet, you certainly have pet hair. And many people put a high value on a cat's whiskers. Cats do shed their whiskers, you know, occasionally. And a cat's whisker is considered a very sacred object among many people. They'll save them and collect them. Um, regular cat hair is valuable and with dog hair, black cat hair and black dog hair is used in spells to make people fight like cats and dogs. But also mm-hmm. the hair of a cat or a dog can be um, spun. If you know how to spin, uh, you can um, just you know grab their fluff hair. I mean, you just run your hand over the couch. You'll get it. You know what I'm saying? And you can spin um, the hair and you can spin your own hair into it if you know how to spin um and I'm not talking like, um, you know, spinning up whole bobbins full. I'm just talking about hand spinning it with your finger and thumb. And um, you can then make um, a charm of the pet hair and all the pet's hair in the house and your hair put together. It's a, just another way to work. Making a family, a family thing. Get the cat to like the dog. Get them both to like, you know, you guys who are <laughs> their the providers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I want to just say, Dr. Murphy, I love this particular working in this spell that you shared here is because I think uh, sweetening work often gets really pigeonholed into only one way of working, right? The honey jar in many ways has become almost uh, a very reductive way of, of doing root work. And there's only one honey jar. It's only about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. It's only about love. So I love seeing the kind of different approaches towards sweetening, the different approaches and uses of honey, because it reminds us that in the tradition of hoodoo, honey isn't just used one way, and sweetening isn't just used one way. I mean, the, I wouldn't have even thought of connecting it to a barber shop in, in this way or a hair salon. I think this is a fantastic, fantastic way. Well, we learned very early on in beauty school that um, a lot of times people will return to you as a hairdresser, even if you screwed up a little bit on your hair, if they liked you. If you had that mm. kind of friendship or that clientele relationship, um, uh, it's, it's, you may have a very competent hairstylist who does good work, but if they're not a pleasant person or you don't get along, you're not going to go back to that person. So there's something particular about this, uh, this line of work in the service industry and in the beauty industry where that kind of intimate work is done that, they have to they have to like you and you have to like each other too. So uh it makes sense to me to use a honey jar because um you know you do want a sweet relationship with your clients and you know if they're happy with you and they like you they refer other clients to you as well. Mm-hmm. Angela L yeah. mentioned here for Dr. Murphy's spell you could add deer's tongue so the clients will speak well of you and bring you more customers. Ooh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, there's a. um, 
Oh, um, Shiva's asking, what was that charm cat, coiled charm of hair from relatives deceased? Yes, Victorian hair art. Yeah. Um, the the mm-hmm. hair of the deceased relatives uh, taken Lock at the funeral pa- parlor and then macrameed and saved. It was uh, Victorian hair art. It's a thing. Look yeah. it up. And um, yeah. it is. Uh, you can find uh, people save it, collect it, frame it. It's for real, and you can make your own. It's very similar to the idea of braiding together hair from all of the members of a family and doing macrame with them. They More common among people with well. long hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what did you say? I said they also put them in lockets as well. Oh, yes. The hair of the deceased in a locket. The hair of a deceased yeah. pet in a locket. I just put and, a link um, in the chat with one image of it. Absolutely all true. Amulet boxes and gows. Okay. Well, this was an interesting topic. We we ranged all around the world and through time and space with hair and fingernails. Thank you, Doc Murphy. <laughs> all Thank right. you very much for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of fun having you. We're, we are still working, getting prepared for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th and 12th. Uh, Contraband Ollie is going to be a presenter Evan mm-hmm. Lionheart, our announcer, is going to be a presenter. We have a webpage, hoodooheritagefestival.com. Check it out. Uh, you can buy tickets now. Tickets are cheaper now because you can get the early bird special, and that saves you $20 on your tickets up until June 21st, the summer solstice. So get your tickets now. And um, I think I've said all I'm going to say. I'm going to turn this over to Evan, and he's going to give our announcements, and then we'll come back and say goodbye. Absolutely. Thank you, Miss Cat and Conjurman. And thank you, Doc Murphy in Minnesota, for being our guest this week. Join us next week for a special guest, which will be Ramona Scott on How to Find a Good Reader. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour has, brought, has been brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from evanlionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour can be heard every week live on Block Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archives via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show HTML. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much, Evan. And thanks, everybody in the chat room. I wanted to say uh, you all did your part, and you did a great job helping us out with ideas. (laughs) And um, um, I'll see you on Facebook and Instagram. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.